Well, hey everybody, it's time again for stuff I want to say. I'm going to add this podcast uh, to the feed a little earlier because of my schedule. I'm kind of back at it. I speak out of town next week up in Wisconsin at Camp Fairwood. We'll probably be able to do an episode up there, but because of preparations and catching up on things here at the church and such, uh, just have a moment here on my day off. And and we're in episode number four of um, Building Better Relationships, a series of podcasts for men about building better relationships. And if you recall, we talked about loving. We talked about the power of honor. We talked about seeking forgiveness. And we're going to talk again about seeking forgiveness. This is number four, part two of seeking forgiveness. I once heard Joe Stoll tell a funny story about a woman and a man who'd been married for 50 years and they didn't get along very well but they had a the kids had a 50 year wedding anniversary party for them and and they kind of kept up appearances for that and when it was all over and everything cleared out they're sitting there alone in the hall and the wife says to the husband you know i really don't like you and he says i don't like you either she says, I've just been praying that, take one, that God just takes one of us home. And then she said, and after he answers my prayer, I think I'll go live with my sister in South Bend. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that really is a very funny story, especially to me because when I've heard Joe Stoll tell this story, I mean, my wife does have a sister in South Bend, and I wanted to go up to him and say, where did you hear that story? Well, we're in a series of, of talks about better relationships. And um, here's my very best relationship advice, men. Three things. If you want a good relationship with somebody, number one, don't sin against them. Don't ever sin against them. That's my best advice. And that's not original with me. I got it from the Apostle John in his little epistle, First John, don't sin. But if you do sin, second thing, but if you do sin, make it right. And if you make it right, number three, make it right, right. Do it right. Not sorry, not sorry, not sorry, not sorry. <laughs> How not to do it. Let's talk about how am I making any sense? We're we're going to talk here about how not to seek forgiveness, what what not to say. Um, someone called this in a article from Time Magazine. My friend David Whiting quoted Time Magazine, and and he called this a faux apology when you express regret but you really don't acknowledge any wrongdoing. Here's what a, here's what Time Magazine said about a faux apology. A faux apology is the if apology, if I did something wrong, or the passive apology when a person says, all right, mistakes were made as if they didn't make them, or or the person in their apology says, I really didn't mean it, or or they apologize, but they say, you're too sensitive. It's the no I and too much you apology. Or, you know, the old, I'm, uh, I have a dark side apology, or I'm Irish, or I'm Baptist, or I'm German, or whatever. I'm Dutch, just who I am. It's my Enneagram number. It's my spiritual gift, etc. It's, uh, 
it'd say, I have a dark side apology. This is a faux apology. An if apology is a faux apology. A passive apology, mistakes were made, is a faux apology. I didn't mean it, is a faux apology. You're too sensitive, too much I and not enough, too much you and not enough I. That's a faux apology. Or I have a dark side, it's just who I am. That's a faux apology. Or the one that accuses, look, I'm sorry you misunderstood what I was saying. I'm sorry. With you, it seems like I just can't do anything right. Well, that's not an apology. That's a false apology. That's a faux apology. Or there's the hostile apology. Okay, I'm sorry. Are you happy now? Is Do you have what you wanted? None of these really are apologizing right. They're not seeking forgiveness at all, really. They're not seeking forgiveness in the right way. They're, they're a faux apology. They're an excuse for seeking forgiveness. This is not how you do it. So remember, don't sin against somebody if you want a relationship with them. But if you do sin, make it right. And if you make it right, make it right, right. Don't use faux apologies. How do you make it right? How do you do it? First, you must have a clear conscience before God. In Luke 12, 2 and 3, it says, Nothing is covered up that won't be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever we've said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you've whispered in private rooms will be proclaimed in the housetops. Now, that'll make you shudder. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5 says, Don't pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and disclose the purposes of the heart. I didn't read all of verses 1 through 5, but study 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. But it concludes, that passage concludes by saying that everything hidden will be brought into light. 1 Corinthians 11, 31, if we judge ourselves truly, we won't be judged. And this is a, this is a very hopeful, very, very hopeful uh, promise. Even if it's small, if there's a sin against somebody, take care of it. Even if it happened a long time ago, take care of it. Ken Sandy, who's written a wonderful book called The Peacemaker, uh, says, follow the seven A's of apology. The seven A's of apology. Number one, A, address everyone involved, all those affected. No public sin with a private apology. Confess secret sin. Address everyone involved. Second A of seven A's of apology. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Don't excuse your wrongs. Avoid if, but, and maybe in your wording of your apology. Third A, admit specifically. Both attitudes and actions include attitudes and actions so the person gets the idea. You may confess something that doesn't matter too much to them and leave unconfessed something that really matters. So if you confess the actions and the attitudes behind them, you're more likely to to win a hearing from the person that you need to apologize to. A, one, address everyone involved. Two, avoid if, but, and maybe Three, admit specifically. Four, acknowledge the hurt. Express sorrow for hurting someone. Relive the offense through their emotions, through their eyes. See it how they see it. Listen to them. Let them talk about it. Even if you've apologized or you want to apologize, you kind of want to say, hey, like, don't, don't, let's not go into it again. I'll just, I'll, you know, make it stop. I'll, I'll ask forgiveness. No, listen to them because so, because then you're going to be able to relive the offense the way they saw it. Even if they saw it wrong, it's how they saw it and how they feel about it. So acknowledge the hurt. Five, accept the consequences, such as making restitution. Um, Accept the consequences. Six, alter your behavior. Change your attitudes and actions. 
And someone who you apologize to may not fully apologize to you until they're able to really see that your attitude and your action have changed. And then number seven, A, the seventh A of apology is ask for forgiveness. Say the words, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? So imagine your last apology. Did you address everyone involved? Did you avoid if, but, and maybe did you admit attitudes and actions specifically? Did you acknowledge the hurt? Did you accept the consequences? Did you alter your behavior? Did you actually ask for forgiveness? And this is, this is, gentlemen, this is a powerful source, if you will, of reconciliation and of building good relationships is unless you plan on never sinning, you've got to be good. You've got to learn to be good at this um, and uh, uh, seeking forgiveness or apologizing. And remember these seven powerful words, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Now, what will happen? What will happen if you don't seek forgiveness of your children, of your grandchildren, of your neighbors, of your co-workers, God forbid, of your wife? What will happen? Well, people that don't ask forgiveness bring great damage to relationships. They open the door to spiritual oppression. That's why Ephesians 4 says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath because you'll give a place to the devil. So you damage relationships, you open the door to spiritual oppression in your relationships. You bring possible judgment or chastisement. James 5, for instance, or 1 Corinthians 10, uh, speak about that very thing among Christians. God loves us and he's not going to punish his children, but he will but he will discipline his children. And if we don't seek forgiveness, God in love may allow judgment or chastisement as a, as an expression of his love for us. Like a good father, as the scriptures say there in Hebrews, like a good father disciplines the son that he loves or the daughter that he loves. So what will happen if we don't seek forgiveness? We damage relationships. We open ourselves to oppression. We open our family to demonic oppression. There's possible judgment or chastisement from God. And then there's more sin or worse sin in you and in others. Sin just kind of runs amok. When it's unchecked, but when you seek forgiveness, it's it subdues sin and it keeps us from choosing more sin and, and worse sin and more enslaving sin. And then finally, God will resist you. The Bible says this repeatedly. God resists the proud. So failing to seek forgiveness damages our sense of, of intimacy with God. And that's serious. That's the lifeblood, gentlemen. What it really even means to be a man is to have intimacy with God. And so what I'm saying here is do when you need to seek forgiveness, do it now. Do not wait. Remember what Ephesians says, powerful. Be angry. This is Ephesians 4, 26 through 32. Listen carefully. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath clamor and 
and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Gentlemen, read that so often, or listen to that so often, that it becomes a part of who you are. And if you want to lead your family, lead by example, by consistent example, in being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, the way God forgave you. And gentlemen, the fruit of that will be, will be sweet in your, in your life. So we talked about what will happen if you don't. We talked about the importance of about how not to apologize, about how to apologize, about the seven A's of apology. We talked a little bit about what will happen if you don't seek forgiveness. Let's talk a little bit about what happens when you, when you do seek forgiveness. It often works to build stronger relationships. It causes others to do what they should do and inspires them to confess. Your children are going to need to confess their sin. They need to see a model of that in you. It's, it's, it's hard to do this. And so another good thing about doing it is it motivates you not to, to sin again. And the, the burden passes to others. and <laughs> They need to ask forgiveness. And you're free. And God will help you in the same way that he resists the proud. He blesses those who humble themselves. And he gives more grace. So, gentlemen, just this little uh, episode is just to remind you of the power and the importance of seeking forgiveness. What happens when you do and what happens when you don't and exactly how to do it. So this should be one of the most important of the family rules in every house. We treat one another with love. We show honor. When we do wrong, we ask forgiveness. Are you tracking with me? We treat one another with love, starting with dad, starting with dad. We show honor, starting with dad. When we do wrong, we ask forgiveness. These are the house rules that come right out of the scripture. And and, and understand that... Um, the, the the man has the ability, without lecturing, without even preaching, although I think preaching is a good thing, but without lecturing, without preaching, a man has the ability, he has the authority, he has the power to demonstrate this over and over in his family, to walk with a sensitivity towards sin. Now, why don't you imagine a scenario where your daughter's disrespectful to you or, or your son's disrespectful to your wife? What, what, what should you do? Should you hang up a big sign? Should you yell and scream at them? Should you sin against them? Should you make it hurt? Should you make them pay? No, before you do anything else, you should show them. The best thing that you can do to teach somebody else something is show them. Do it yourself and show them. If you're going to teach your son how to fish, that's how you do it. You're going to teach him how to ride a dirt bike. You take him out riding dirt bike. You show him how to do it. You get him, when he, when you teach a, a boy to drive a tractor, you're going to get him in the seat of the tractor. You're going to get him working the clutch and understanding the levers and gears and the throttle and such. He, he's got to have experience, and so it is with this. Don't just badger or yell at kids or be frustrated with them. And if, you're, if, you, would, if you would influence your wife to do that, she'll just need... She she will tend, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership, speed of the leader, speed of the team, right? So as the dad leads in this, as the father leads in this, who should start? Who should take initiative? You should. You're the leader. That's what it means to be the head of the family. You take the lead. You do the hard stuff first. You act like Jesus first. Now, now And how can you get somebody to do something? Show them. 
and how do you influence mom? Show her. I had a thing. I, I Maybe I overuse it a little bit because sometimes I think maybe it did kind of irritate the kids. Um, but and so maybe maybe it's not something that you should use all the time. But with with care, like salt and pepper, you like might use this like pepper, like like. Uh, but but from time to time, you might ask the people who are you a follower of Jesus, and will you take up your cross and follow him? Will you do what Jesus did and what you've seen me do, and that that is seek forgiveness when you do wrong. One thing that makes a Christian home Christian is they do the Christian things. They do the Jesus things. And Jesus taught his followers to seek forgiveness when they, when they sin. Everybody says they want to be like Jesus, but nobody wants to take up their cross. And nothing good happens until we take up our cross and follow Jesus. And that's when we ought to be first, gentlemen. I once had a friend, a really neat guy, um, who was grieved because he had some really nice Christian brothers, really nice Christian family. But a couple of the brothers had, they had um, something between them, had come between them. And as a result of that, they were, they were a little estranged. And I encouraged them to all come to my study and do a thing that I call the talking stick where we would give each guy an opportunity to share his heart, each guy an opportunity to listen and repeat what he said. And the men all got in the room, and we did it over a series of number of meetings and hours. And these, these Christian guys got in the room, and they each shared their heart, and the others listened to them and repeated it back. And we isolated the problem. And over a period of a number of sessions and a number of hours of guys sharing their heart, there was a, a reconciliation, and there was a common communion among the brothers. And these guys were reconciled. It was just a, a thing of real beauty when that happened. And then it, I moved away from the area. Not long after that, one of the men, one of those brothers suddenly died of a heart attack. And when I heard that, I thought how beautiful that one of the brothers took initiative to gather the other brothers and that they sought forgiveness of one another and they sought out a a reconciliation and they were reconciled and they had communion. And when the, when the brother died, they were in fellowship with one another. And this is following what David wrote in Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in a way everlasting. Pray with me. Lord, I help you. I pray that you would help us to have a conscience void of offense before God and man. And help us to do this now while we still can. While the children are still home or young or the grandchildren. When our wives' hearts aren't hardened. Before our marriages are damaged. Before our wife's spirit is broken. Or before our testimony is damaged. Or before it's too late. Give us, I pray, the spirit of the prodigal that you wrote into that beautiful story in Luke 15, who came to his senses, admitted that he sinned, recognized his unworthiness, and he he came back in repentance, and he lived long enough to convince those who were slow to forgive him that he was sincere. And I pray for the men that are listening to this podcast right now, where they're working or where they're driving along, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit and hum- that they would humble themselves 
and by doing so that they would truly take spiritual leadership in their circle of influence in their jurisdiction, that good things would grow, that Satan would be resisted, that sin would be resisted, and that uh, that healing and help would flow into the, and forgiveness would flow in uh, to that family and to that shop or to that business or to that church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in, gentlemen. That's all for now. Um, we'll be back soon, maybe yet this week, maybe early next week, with uh, with some additional um, thoughts uh, and uh, with another uh, episode. And we're going to move toward um, showing mercy when somebody seeks forgiveness or when they don't, um, showing mercy. So we're going to have, they, we had a session on love, a session on honor, two on seeking forgiveness, one on on showing mercy that will be coming in the future. Uh, let me know if I can be a help to you. I'd be glad to correspond with you or take a phone call. If I can be a help to you, let me know. My contact information is at kenpierpont.com. It's very easy to find. would include my email address, a phone number where you can call or text me. Uh, you can watch messages from the Bethel Church online if you're interested in doing that. There's a story podcast as well. There's writings online. There are books online. I try to have a number of hooks in the water uh, to be a help. So hope I've been a help to you. Bless you.